You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Title of my message is called Assembly Required. I saw a post, I got inspired about it, so I said, man, let's go down that rabbit trail. You know what happens is, man, I was listening to Billy Graham seminars, like the last, you know, preaches of all these 1968 open air. I got all inspired by Billy Graham. I was just yelling in the mirror the other day. And then I saw my little kid look at me like, dad, what are you doing? That does not sound good. So I decided I'm not Billy Graham. I'll find my own thing. But we're in a new series. Whatever it is, let's put it up. I said grateful. There it is. Grateful. I'd like to just kind of what I'm preaching on, I'm going to say tankful without a lisp, tankful because I'm thankful because I'm grateful, whichever order you want to put it in. If you're grateful, you'll be thankful and then your tank will be full. But I want, I want your tank to be full when you leave here today. That's my desire of my heart. And so why I'm preaching on this is assembly required. It's really from that place why I'm so thankful and why my tank is always full. You know, I always watch people that, you know, they give, they give, they give, they give until they got nothing left and they're laying on the floor sucking their thumb because they never went and got refueled. That's why I respect this man and woman sitting right here. They could be watching from home. Think about it couple weeks off, they could be watching from home in their living room, but they decided, no, 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 we're going to the house. Not to be seen, but for some of the reasons I'm going to preach on that I did not know, but it was revealed to me over the time. And that's why it's called assembly required. What I've learned is I was reading this thing. It talks about, have you overcome the 13 enemies of your life? I'm like, I don't even, I didn't know I had 13. I'm going to read them to him. If you can master and destroy the 13 enemies you can't see, egotism, arrogance, conceit, selfishness, greed, lust, intolerance, anger, lying, cheating, gossiping, and slandering, dear Lord, who needs Jesus? Just for that. I, mean, I don't even like saying them. I'm like, you'll be ready to fight the enemy you can see. So I want to teach you today what I've learned from a biblical standpoint that the local church should be, but I know Awakened Church is, is where we can count on and be counted on, gathering in his name, biblically distinct from personal devotion and casual fellowship. You know, I've had a couple conversations lately, like the bride of Christ was like the second, you know what, maybe, maybe I'll go this Sunday. I mean, I, I should go, or I've been going, but you know what? The river sounds great. I'm just going to stay the night. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Come on. And I looked back at the type of Christian I was, wow. and then I looked about what happened when I came here, wow. and I want to reproduce Come on. Come on. who I am in the spirit because I know who I was as a Christian. I know who I am as a Christian, and I'm never going back to that guy. And so I just want to share with you a few things that I've learned on my journey to help you listen. I got this beautiful, brilliant woman right here, not by luck. Not sure what that crow was, but I mean, I, I, mean, I liked it. Of course it was Travis. 
losing his mind already. But what happens is I'm thinking to myself, I've been really parked in two books right now, Hebrews and not Danville, Daniel, the book of Daniel. Okay. He's already giving me a hard time. But in those two books, Hebrews, I want to tell you what Hebrews is about, was written by a Hebrew to other Hebrews, telling the Hebrews to stop acting like Hebrews. He was saying that many early Jewish believers were slipping back into the rites and rituals, religion of Judaism, in order to escape the mounting persecution. It's amazing how many Christians are getting quieter as the world's getting more intimidating. But not at this church. How do you raise up bold people, bold believers, bold Christians? I'm loving the book of Hebrews. It's just not the book about coffee. Bad joke. It's okay. My wife says they got better ones coming. Don't worry. But this letter in Hebrews, it's an exhortation for the persecuted believers to continue in the grace of Jesus Christ. Listen, today, what's it take to find the men and women that will stand and believe in the word of God, that won't take a knee, that will not bow for those that sound intimidating? Listen, that's why during this season, I've already loved Pastor Jurgen Liam, but in this season, I've become even more of a fan because I see what it takes to lead behind the scenes, what it takes to stand even when people are threatening you, government is threatening you. Listen, that's why I want everyone in here to read the book of Hebrews because it's in the New Testament, so it can give us understanding. It's about so many prophecies already being fulfilled of the Old Testament. So it's so important to understand, and you just don't do it because someone in the pulpit is telling you to. Without the why, there's no comply. Hebrews will help you find your why. Hebrews will help you find courage when you may be lacking courage. Hebrews can help give you that injection of faith because the word of God on the inside of you can stop anything on the world trying to intimidate you. Now I want us to go back to the book of Daniel and understand what a mighty, fierce prayer warrior looks like. And because he was in prayer three times a day, he could hear the voice, and it was giving him courage to make a stand when nobody else would. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. So in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, four experiences God makes available when we gather in person. I would have never known this before I came to this house. See, when I came to this house, you know, I came really because... Uh, I knew my mom was on a call. This is pre-Facebook. And if you know my mom and my grandma, there's just two women you don't go against. It's fear of the Lord and fear of my mom. And, and so I was just like, all right, I don't want to get that phone call at three. I'm just going to find this church. And then I was going to this church, and obviously I was just going. I leave the same way I walked in. And what would happen is my best friend called me and he said, you got to hear this pastor. I said, oh, how is this going to help me? You live in Tacoma. He said, no, he's starting a church there. You guys know the story. I met Pastor Juergen. I canceled my afternoon. We hung out all day. Then it got radical. Then I came to church. Then I cried every service for the first six months. I said, if you make me cry again, I'm not going to go. 
So stop making me cry. That's not like you. It's the Holy Spirit healing up some stuff. I'm like, whatever. My mom was flying down all the time because she was so grateful. I found a church that was emotionally moving me. She goes, you want to go to the church midweek? You're going to go to some worship thing on a Wednesday night? I got to come see this church. So she would fly down, come to this church, and she would be like, oh, this church is crazy wild. You know, she was a nice conservative, you know, Baptist girl. And she would just see this happening, and she didn't want me to leave. And I was just having breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough because I was getting revelation after revelation. And why I switched up my message this week is because a young man on Wednesday, I watched him get baptized. And I had just met him at men's prayer. And then afterwards, I said, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you got baptized. And he said something to me. And he said, I wish you had church every night. And it immediately wrecked me. Because that was the same place I was in 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I was just thinking, I don't trust myself. I need, tell him, Pastor Jurgen, I need this every night. You see, Sunday, Monday, I was good. Monday, I was like, I'm going to kick down every wall. I'm going to take you down. You should have heard this message on David I just heard. I will slay you. You're a giant. You're going down. Tuesday, I woke up sucking my thumb. I'd crawl through Tuesday. I would meek into Wednesday, just send all day Wednesday, just show up in time for Wednesday so he can give me an altar call. Then I get my altar call, I mean Thursday, Friday, devastation. (laughs) Fetal position Saturdays, just enough to get to Sunday and then it'd go over again. But the more I stayed in it and the more transformation and the more that I didn't get judged and I got loved and the more that I got prophesied over and the more that I got spoken into, the more I wanted to read my Bible, the more I wanted to start a prayer meeting, the more I wanted to get radical where my friends used to say, dude, you're going to church twice on a Sunday? Yeah, and I'm going Tuesday, then I'm going to go Wednesday, and if they had it Thursday, Friday, I'd be there too. What's your problem? I needed all the church I could get. But I didn't know the why behind it. I just know, you know what? My life is getting better the more that I'm saturated in the house of the Lord. The more that I'm around other contagious believers. This is before chaos. I'm thinking to myself, man, God needed a 15-year runway to get me ready for 2019. 2020 came. He's like, you're welcome. But when I saw that kid say... I need this every day. I said, I was you 15 years ago, and let me show you the way. I know what it's going to take, and you're going to not recognize yourself in three months from now. You're not going to recognize yourself in six months from now. So I just want to break it down for you, then we'll wrap it up, and then we're going to go celebrate. And then we need more buildings to host more people so we can get radical with their life so they can pick up what we're trying to put down. You guys with me? Because we got other people in here that you're going to be pastors. You're going to be worship leaders. You're going to be wanting to be on the DNA team. You're going to be wanting to start recovery groups. You're going to want to help raise up an army because this world, i.e. this country, needs you to start walking in your gift and you to have the revelation that the devil's a liar and quit playing small. Anybody else? Okay. Just a few. So four experiences that I get from being in church. Now, there's nothing wrong. Listen, if you're out of town because of some, you know, whatever, your plane gets stuck, live stream. We love you. <laughs> Lee and Rachel, I know you do it every week, but I'm, I'm believing that you're going to get breakthrough. I'm believing you're going to get to the house because we love you so much. Yeah. Pastor Jurgen says hi. 
The rest of you, I know you went to Brazil. There's my nanny in Brazil with her husband. Listen, you're going to go on vacation. But see, I can FaceTime my wife when I'm gone. But I can't live on FaceTime alone with my bride. When you're away and you need to, get a little FaceTime. Thank goodness we have the technology to go online. But it's not going to feed your soul. It's not going to get you into your destiny. It's not this right here. We help unlock one another. We help sharpen one another. So I'm going to read you four experiences. Number one is access. We experience his presence in greater capacity than possible than our own personal devotion. And I love personal devotion. Pastor Jurgen, I saw on IG today, did his personal devotion, but he's still in the house because we get greater access to the kingdom. Number two, authority. We exercise binding and loosing power in our prayers at a higher level. I love praying all the time, but I look forward to Tuesday morning. That's the next level authority that we need. Number three is accountability. We count and can be counted on. It's just not from the platform to the pew, but between the pew and you. We need one another. We sharpen one another. We help one another hold each other accountable. If I didn't have this place, I don't know where I'd be. And you'd be like, well, are you sure it's that spot? Well, listen, I grew up in church. I never had the desire on a Sunday to run to church. I didn't change any plans ever in the history of my life to make sure I was at church. It's because of the great accountability, the authority, the access, and number four, the anointing that I felt when I came into the house of God that was rooted in biblical truth. Listen, there's an oil that flows when the church gathers in unity. That's the anointing. There's sometimes when we do worship flow nights that I just want to soak on the altar and have worship music in my spirit. To me, it's like a war drum. And you will need it. That's why I love that we produce an album. I play authority. And I just keep playing it over and over again until I feel like it. There's some days I wake up and I don't feel like praying. But I throw on my worship until I feel like praying. I don't feel like sometimes leading. But guess what? I know my family, my congregation. I know people need to be led. And so I will put it on until the spirit comes upon me and I walk in it. You don't base your life on how you feel. You get in a place you know you need. You want to see God doing something. It's so important. When is church church? When in submission, which means under a mission at a set time, that's called church where believers are prepared and positioned to serve one another to advance the kingdom. That's church. Listen, it doesn't matter how messed up your views are about church, because guess what? They couldn't get more messed up than mine. But church, ecclesia, it's a New Testament word. It's the gathering. It's where we come together and gather, and God can do radical things. Each one of you have a gift, and when we come together, we sharpen it. We all have different parts of the body. I can't be a hand alone. I can't be a head alone, a foot alone, but together, one body, we can do radical things in the physical and the spiritual. First Corinthians uh, eleven twenty. it says, when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Goes on to say in my revelation while I was reading that is some people just come to church to check the box, but then they run out. And they're missing the real meal. 
the real food, the real thing that we do together in fellowship. See, I look around on my journey of 15 years with the John and Beckys that are running our Balboa campus as pastors, with the Fullers that are service leaders at the 10, with the Jaegers that now took over our, our Eastlake campus. I look at the Hunleys. We're doing life together. We're holding each other accountable. Listen, there's been plenty of stories. Poor Pastor Jurgen has had to sit me down and be like, hey, it's not good for you to be alone. But thank goodness I allowed someone to speak in my life. And why am I bringing this up? Because when I was raised up, God revealed two things in this house, coming under another man's mission, submission. I asked my mom, you know, I grew up, she always called me a rebel. She goes, yeah, you have an authority problem. And so my whole life, I came into agreement with my authority problem. So anytime I didn't like something, I just said, well, I already got an authority problem. Might as well do what I do. I, I just text my mom between service going, mom, do you got any stories like where I could really use an example as an authority problem? I really wasn't expecting a four-page text back. Any topic having to do with you and your brother would be an authority problem. And I remember I was like, man, I did have an authority problem. I remember, you know, I had a fake driver's license. I walked out of this, you know, one place I shouldn't have been in, at a nice Christian college, and the officer said, can I see your license? Of course, I gave him the fake ID, and he goes, so you're 21. I said, absolutely. Doesn't the license say so? And he goes, yes, it does. I'm not sure this is a real license. Well, maybe you should look again. He goes, I'll look again. Let me call it in. Go for it. So as I bantered back and forth, he goes, let me give you one last chance. I'll give you another chance to call it in. <laughs> so he calls it in, came back, and he goes, don't show off in front of these girls. You got one last chance before I put these cuffs on in front of your friends. Is this a fake idea? I said, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> yep. Yep. He goes, go ahead, have a good day. I'll keep the idea. I'm like, no problem, sir. Enjoy your day. Thanks for doing it. Well, because of that, of course, two weeks later, and same officer, walking out of the same place. I see your ID. Is this a fake ID? Yeah, we don't need to go through it again. All right, I'm going to write you a ticket. So he wrote me a ticket, and I actually got my license suspended, but that didn't stop me. I was home for Christmas and went on a drive, and I got pulled over. And they said, uh, sir, were you speeding? I said, well, you pulled me over for a reason. Sure, it's a good one. And he goes, yeah, can I get your uh, ID? And I said, sir, I don't have it on me. And he goes, okay, what's your name? I said, Michael Hubbard. All right, Michael, when's your birthday? And I said, uh, August 31st, 1977. Pretty much just went right down the thing, which is my brother, by the way. So I just played my brother, and my brother got a ticket. Never told my family, and then, um, you know, the court appearance shows up, and you got to show up. And so I'm feeling so convicted, like my poor brother, perfect track record, 4.0 student. He's the white angel of the family. I obviously wasn't. So I'm in court, and the officer calls up Michael Hubbard. So I walk up there, and I said, sir, I'm not Michael Hubbard. Well, Michael needs to be here. I said, I know. 
I played Michael Hubbard when I got pulled over. And it goes, and the whole courtroom, you know, everybody else is in court. They're like, oh. Multiple of them, it's like, idiot. Dumb, bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, it's like, I'm just up there going, oh. And the officer says, let me get it straight. You got a ticket pertaining to be your brother. I said, yes, sir. Why'd you do that? I don't have a license. So you were driving without a license. Use your brother. Yes, sir. And you're actually here. Where are your parents? I said, I haven't told them yet. Oh, oh. You know this is a possible felony. Misrepresentation, driving without a license. I mean, I just might escort you straight to jail. Yes, sir. You're willing to go there. Yes, sir. It's better than meeting my dad tonight. <laughs> and he goes, well, I think you've learned your lesson. Boom, let me off. My brother didn't get a ticket. I paid the 250 bucks. It was amazing. Favor of the Lord. But let's not play too many of those favor of the Lord cards, okay? Just telling you, not the smartest thing. But what I tell you, because I always grew up thinking I had an authority issue because it was prophesied over me. And the Holy Spirit in this house said, you don't have an authority issue. You have a submission issue. You're not willing to get under some other man's mission and let him get you on mission. Sub is just underneath, below, below a mission. I was on my own mission, living for the world. You know whose mission I was really on? I was working for the devil. But when I found a man that could lead me, that could teach me, that could shepherd me, that could disciple me, and I'd always say I'm coachable in the business world, why not in the spiritual world? It's amazing because I wanted to protect this because I wanted to be Christianese, little Matt Hubbard, and pretend everything was good, and I had my life together, and I was going to heaven, which I was because I gave my life to Jesus. But everything else was a train wreck because I never made him my Lord. He was my Savior but he was never my Lord. And when I came here, I understood what lordship meant to be under a submission to follow the Lord so the Lord could use me how he needed to use me so I could walk in my calling, my gifting, and everything else he had for me, but I didn't believe in myself because I believed I just had an authority issue, I had this issue, I was this punk kid, but I found a different voice that spoke different to break that bondage of the lie I was believing in. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. In Hebrews, it says, obey your spiritual leaders. This is Hebrews 13, 17. This is a verse that I never knew. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. Sorry about that, pastor. I know his first couple years were tough. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Listen, I didn't like Christians and I definitely didn't trust pastors. But I came to a house where God started rebuilding my heart, started rebuilding my life, and showed me what true freedom was. See, I was bound in religiosity, I just didn't know it. I was lying to myself. But when I found someone that unconditionally loved me, even though I did shock value stuff, maybe drop a couple bombs I shouldn't have said, cursing, just look at me and laugh at me going, that's all you got? I'm not going anywhere if that's all you got. I know you have a good heart. I'm going to help you. And built my trust back with pastors, built my trust back with church, the bride of Christ, that if I'm in it, I know Jesus wants me to win it. And if I'm in it long enough, I'll see all that stuff come up. And even in my mess, 
I had people that were on my side cheering me through my mess to see me to the other side. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I'll feel no reason. I just kept walking and someone kept leading me. We don't stop in our valley because stuff looks messy. Oh, I don't want to be judged. Oh, I don't want to, I'll come to men's prayer, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to really say. Even though 90% of all men struggle with porn. Nah, no, no. There's a hundred men, but I'm sure all of them there. It's just, I, I only, I only attract the holy ones. And it's amazing when I learned to trust who God put in my life, I started to watch my life flourish. And the more that I could trust, the more that it would flourish. And the more that I could trust, the more that I could flourish. Oh, maybe I'll just give this tithe thing a rip. Oh, oh, uh-oh, where your treasure is, so is your heart. Oh my gosh, my heart's getting into the church. Matt, I'm your friend. I think you're being brainwashed. I know, it needed a brainwashing. I mean, that was the best thing they could have ever said. My brain was so of the world, it needed to be washed over and over and over and over and over and over to the point where I could read the truth and I could actually hear it. Oh, that's weird. The whole gospel, the whole word of God, from the beginning to the end, Jesus wants me to win. This whole book is so my life will win. Yeah, the devil didn't want me in it. The devil wanted me to listen to the voice. And then I had some of my friends that were jacked up with no fruit in their life going, dude, I think you're being brainwashed. You know, you're going twice to church on Sunday. Um, you were at a seminar. You left early yeah, right. just to go back to church. Whew. You okay, bro? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I should have left earlier. But I'm telling you, my first one is I had to learn how to submit. Second one is I need to learn how to serve, which means wait on one another. See, it was amazing that it took till about 2009 that it went from my head to my heart, that I understood. I realized I was walking in blessing. I realized I was doing some radical things. I realized God had already healed me. So I started in 2006, about 2009, I'm having the revelation. I'm seeing the favor of God on my life. I'm seeing these things, but I haven't fully dropped into here. But then one day I realized I got to go all in and just go full throttle and see what God's going to do in my life. And it was about 2009, because I remember it was my first seminar. I was asked to be a keynote, and I said, hey, bro, I got to be on a Friday. They said, Saturday night, bro. And then there's speaker's gallery on Sunday. I said, yeah, I won't be at that. I said, I'm not missing church. It was my line in the sand. And I remember thinking to myself, I need church more than I need this. I need, I need to be in worship more than I need this. I need a prophetic word from heaven more than I need. I got to make sure my name is in the book of the miracles until I get every breakthrough I need. Because God, I need you to start doing some soul healing because I feel like there's something brewing. And people say, oh, you didn't have purpose. No, I had purpose. My career was my purpose. But I realized it would become an idol. And there's only one thing that needs to be an idol. And I had just some worlds that weren't in alignment. And I finally put my foot, and guess what? I got canceled all over the place. I got canceled all over the place. And then when they knew I was serious, they started inviting me back and putting me on a Friday, putting me on a first thing on a Saturday morning, started taking care of me, started showing honor. And, and guess what? I said, I don't miss church. I go out to the river. Even yesterday, someone's like, you're leaving? I said, yeah, it's church tomorrow. I'm like, well, can't you do live stream? 
Yeah. Well, besides I'm preaching. <laughs> we don't miss. I'll drive back. I don't care how late at night it is. I don't care. Because I don't want to miss out what God's going to do right here in this place. Just so I can relax a little bit. Are you willing to be inconvenienced? I realized even before I was a preacher, which was in 2017, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, when I got my priorities straight, God started using me in radical ways. But I was serving on a team. My wife was on the DNA team. I was parking cars for years. Then I started doing little other things here and there, just teaching and and doing freedom nights. But I'd see my friends come and get totally healed. I'd see my friends get totally set free. I'd be going through the book of miracles, pulling cars out, going, dude, this is a praise story. This is a praise story. And you think, Max, he's my real estate agent. You know why he's my real estate agent? Because he's got faith to do the things I need to happen right now. He's walking in his miracle. I want someone walking in their miracle so they can believe that I can have a miracle. And see, you're under some leadership that believes I've got a few miracles. And guess what? I could believe for your miracle. You know why? Because I've watched Pastor You're Gonna Land walk in their miracles. So I could be under that so I can have the oil that flows from the top down. That's why people have said you'll never have babies or having babies in this house. Louis Rydell just had a baby. Two days ago. Well, his wife did. My wife and I couldn't have it. We told we I had 0% chance of having kids. Now I got three. Because the faith in this house. What are you believing for? Who are you attached to? Where is your wagon attached to? Because it matters. I'm going to read this. 1 Peter 4.10 says in the NIV, God has given us each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. In the NLT, it says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. I read this poem. It says, if I were the enemy, I would isolate God's people from one another. I would try by any means possible create separation from one another. This would divide and break down the church. I would would mask fear as being safe. I would use fear to induce hate. Knowing the opposite of love is not hate but fear. We know perfect love casts out all fear, but hate is the fruit of fear. Show me fear and I'll show you hate. If I were the enemy, I would encourage people to look at the government and politicians as their savior. This would work as subtle idolatry. They would never know it or see it because it would be subtle. The enemy is the king of deception. The scriptures predict many will forsake the gatherings of themselves together. Too many have become comfortable with the uncomfortableness of not being with one another. Our dysfunctional disconnect is disturbing and dividing us. It's time to unite together. As I was preparing, I was thinking about the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, the perfect Trinity. But there is an evil Trinity, and some people don't want to hear about it. It's the Antichrist spirit, government, economy, religion, fear, fear, fear. I know that pokes a few people, but if I wasn't poked, I wouldn't be standing here. I poked it, I reflected, and then I looked into it and I became a better man. Anti means replace or substitute. Government can never take the place of God unless you allow it to. 
I'm gonna end on just two understandings so you can understand this. As the United States of America, we are at war. Has nothing to do, but you gotta understand this nation was founded upon the idea that God created human beings to be free. The Declaration of Independence states that people are endowed, quoting, by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Some of you are clapping. If you don't go to a church and you find life, liberty, and happiness, if I walk into that high team person, whatever that church is, and I don't see life, if I don't see freedom, if I don't see happiness, I'm going to turn right back around. They eat too many Sour Patch Kids without the patch. I know, that's for my wife. She really liked that. But look at their face. If you got a sour look on your face, are you really going to a church preaching about freedom in Christ? For the joy set before me endured the cross. Where's our joy? What's your cross? I'm telling you, my life, this isn't a fake smile. I don't walk around hyped up on Red Bull. I don't even drink it. But it's because I found some joy and I found some freedom and I found my tribe. And you know what? A church alive is worth the drive. Quit making excuses. The problem is people have been searching for freedom for thousands of years. See, the first three chapters of this book, Adam and Eve gave up their freedom. People have been living in bondage all throughout the Bible. We all know the story. Took one man to go into Egypt to lay down God's law. But it's amazing how many were content with bondage. Even when the man showed up, And years later, that was a foretelling of Jesus to come. But there's still so many Christians that are so bound up, they're unwilling to accept the freedom that Christ brings. It's amazing to me how many people today are living in spiritual slavery without even realizing it. They chase false gods, worldly fame, personal comfort, only to realize they still have an emptiness they can't be filled with any of those things. If you go read Daniel, the first six chapters, just talking, and I love how he discipled. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were his disciples, and they saw the fruit of Daniel. And they said, all right, throw me in the furnace. How many friends do you have that would say, go ahead, throw me in the furnace? I believe in Steve's fruit. I believe in Matt Hubbard's fruit. I believe in Jurgen Matesius' fruit. I believe in Anthony Tremino's fruit. How many friends do you have that would say, I know what he stands for. I'm going to stand with him even if you throw me into that fire. And guess what? Those men were willing to go burn. And Jesus showed up. That's when supernatural things start to happen in your life is when you get along somebody else that has the fruit. When I hear Pastor Eric going for his dream house, I'm like, God, if you did it for him, you can do it for me. I know many of you are walking in that same blessing, that same story. There is a narrative out there. Do you really believe? Did it really say? Quit listening to the news and start reading this cover to cover, and guess what? You'll know what it really said. What I look is 
He was even able to go against the king that had him intimidated. Threw him in a pit of lions and he still stood his ground. And then when the king, thank goodness the king, he's like, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness those lions didn't eat you. Come on up. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the reputation that went out? And he said, everyone that spoke against you, bring him to me. Every one of those things that positioned Daniel to take that fall, they got thrown in that pit and were devoured like that. I'm telling you, that God of the Old Testament, don't think he's the same God. He's still watching. He's looking for his kids. When Jesus shows up, will he find faith? What church you go to matters. Who you do life with matters. Your tribe matters. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to pray for two groups of people. Because everything in this book from the beginning to the end points to one thing and one thing only. Freedom in Jesus. Freedom in Jesus. You know, I'm going to read this uh, because when Jesus was stepping out, he wanted everybody to know, hey, put you on notice. Just a young man. And he went right in front of all his tribe and he was going to read a scripture out of the book of Isaiah and he opened up the scroll. And in Luke 4, 17 through 21, it accounts for this. And he says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the liberty to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, the people that can't see, and to set liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What is that breakdown? Here's what God was saying. Jesus stood up and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am life. And let me tell you something, he got up and said it, all those people are like, okay, they only had three choices. Anthony Campolo, my dad's favorite preacher. I don't know, you know, he can't listen to anything new these days, but my dad's probably watching. Sorry, dad, that was a little low. I know you like myself and Pastor Jurgen too, but at this point, you can only hear two things. Jesus was a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. When he got up and said those things, I have some Jewish friends that go, yeah, yeah, Jesus was a great prophet. That's not what he said he was. He said he was the savior of the world. So he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's who he said he was. We just have to say, do we believe? Why do I say that to you? Because this entire book is pointing to Jesus from beginning to end. Every story foreshadowing, prophetic word is aiming toward Jesus. And Jesus is who brings us freedom. If you don't have Jesus, we don't have freedom. That's how come... We're seeing so many people, even though this is an American church, the American church, there's 90% of the nation is Christians. But do you really believe? During this chaos, during this time, when the darkness in the world is starting to come back, you're starting to see who the men and women that are standing up saying, this is what I believe. And they're not backing down. They're the Daniels of the Old Testament standing right now today in this Testament, in the New Testament, right where we're leaving. The book of Acts is alive and well. The book of power is alive and well. What do you believe? Jesus is the only one that can lead us to true freedom now and forever.
So with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I want to pray for us. How do you know when you're being deceived? How do you know? I had a woman that wanted to argue for me two days about someone that we invited to this platform being a Freemason. And I laugh going, I personally know. We actually joke about this post. How do you know that you're deceitful? Well, Google showed me. Where do you put your trust in? See, as shepherds, we're the one that's going to be held accountable. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, Pastor Jurgen was deceived. I was deceived. My entire exec board is deceived. Oh, our board is deceived. Oh, man, all campus pastors, we're all deceived. Yet you got Google. How do you know when you're being deceived? What are your guardrails? My best friend back in the day says, you're my best friend. You can say anything to me. I'm like, okay. Tim, I think you're dating a psycho. I want you to hear this. And he said, no, 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 you just don't know her. I said, well, let's get together with all our other close friends. There's four of us. Let's ask their opinion. You know what they all said? Dude, she's a psycho. You need to run. You're not the same guy. You know what he said? You guys are all wrong. Well, it's weird. I've been friends with you for 12 years, buddy. She came into the picture six months ago. It's amazing deception. How do you know when you're being deceived? Who's in your life? There's been many times where I felt like I was right and Pastor Jurgen would be like, hey man, I need to pray for you. I allowed him to speak in my life because I was being deceived. Who do you allow in your life? Isolation's never good. The devil tries to isolate the church, isolate you, not having you connect, not serving on a team, not letting anyone, anyone in your world. Putting on that mask saying everything's okay. We're done with that, people. The world needs bold, authentic, real Christians that aren't being deceived. That know what freedom looks like, but we're bound. Every one of us has had a friend like that. Then my question to you is, what are your guardrails? What will you accept as evidence? What will you accept to speak into your life if you don't like what your leader is saying? We won't always get it right. But guess what? I have no problem eating chrome coming around because we got to ignite something in you. We got to get you plugged in to make a stand, to draw a line, to pull out the gifts on the inside of you, to come together so you have access and authority, accountability and anointing to walk into your next stage. I don't want you to be the type of Christian I was and then not make changes. It took me three years to my heart get totally healed and go all in. And let me tell you, the last 10 years has been the most radical ride of my life and I know it's just beginning. New levels, new devils. I learned more about myself. I learned more about what Pastor Jurgen can speak into me. I'm more lore about the revelation of what God's trying to teach me in my life. Listen, I was on the altar in worship and God says that car's got you. It's my favorite Porsche. I'd had it for three years. It had become an idol. I was in denial about it. And immediately under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, man, I drove and let go of it. Now, I had no problem with nice cars. I'll be getting that Porsche again soon. I just wasn't mature enough to handle it at the level I needed. My spiritual maturity lasted three years. And then guess what? God's like, hey, you're getting a little flash on it. 
But guess what? This next round, how many know I put some reps in? How many know my faith, my spiritual maturity is a different level? So when God releases me to get it, I'll get my favorite car again, and I'll have no qualms about it. But at that time, I need to do a deep dive on some idols in my life because I said, Lord, I'm putting you first. Show me what I need to get out of the way. And he pointed out a couple things. What's God going to reveal today? If you want to walk in true freedom, just lift both hands up. I'm going to pray for you right now. This is an impartation. We're going to walk in true freedom. There's some stuff maybe we need to let go of, maybe some revelations we need to have. Are we connected? Are you coachable? Are you leaning? Where's the freedom? Where are we bound up where the devil's been lying to you? God, Lord, you see the hands that are lifted in this house. God, I thank you right now. Holy Spirit, move amongst these men and women, Lord. Reveal the things that need to get set free right now in our lives, that we can walk in total freedom. God, we thank you, Lord, that you want to take us to new things, to new places. God, that you want to expand our influence, that you want to use us in mighty ways. God, I thank you for revival in this house and around this nation. I thank you for bold believers that are going to stand for truth in freedom, that will not back down to tyrants, Lord, that we will not be abused, and God, that we will stand up and protect those that are. God, I thank you, Lord, for igniting a church today. Lord, that there is some assembly required that will make church a priority, that will make your bride, your house a priority, that we're going to build your kingdom, that we're going to advance your kingdom. God, I thank you for those that are lifting their hands, saying, God, use me today. We surrender our ways. We submit to your ways. Now show us the way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.